Oh, that's good. I'll try to leave this out like that. Is it on? Okay, thank you. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil Alameen. Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inu. Na'buduhu wa nasta'inu. Alhamdulillah. Iyaka na'bud wa iyaka nasta'in. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah. Inna Allah fa'alun lima yurid. Iza qada amran fa'innama yakulu lahu kun fayakun. يعلم خائنة الأعين وما تخفي الصدور يعلم السر وأخفى أحاط بكل شيء علما علام الغيوب وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيب قلوبنا وعزيز نفوسنا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله هو الذي بعث في الأمين رسولا منهم يتلو عليهم آياته ويزكيهم ويعلمهم الكتاب والحكمة وإن كانوا من قبل لفي ضلال مبين وآخرين منهم لما يلحقوا بهم وهو العزيز الحكيم من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فهو على صراط مستقيم ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فهو في ضلال مبين أما بعد Dear committed brothers and dear committed sisters Allah's definite, conclusive words in one of the ayat in Surah Al-Hujurat says, بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وَإِنْ طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ قَتَتَلُوا فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا فَإِنْ بَغَتْ إِحْدَاهُمَا عَلَى الْأُخْرَى 
الفقاتل التي تجري حتى تفيء إلى أمر الله This ayah, and there are following words and previous words, but we're going to concentrate on these sentences in this ayah. This ayah, first of all, tells us that it is possible to have mu'mineen, fight against each other this is possible it's not the right thing that should happen but there could be a discrepancy as serious a violation of Allah's guidance among mu'mineen not speaking about muslimin fasiqeen fasiq among mu'mineen وَإِنْ طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اِقْتَتَلُوا We have to parse this ayah word by word so that we can understand it accurately and practically. Allah is saying if Two contingents of mu'mineen fight among themselves. Okay, now let's give it a little time to understand Allah's wording. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, did not say, if mu'minun go to war. That's not the wording of the ayah. There's a particular, specific, intended wording here that invites our reflection. Allah says, وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ We have to look at the word طَائِفَتَانِ طَائِفَتَانِ is the duo, two. Ta'ifas. Ta'ifatan, two ta'ifas. So now the concern is okay, what, what, what is meant by ta'ifa? There are other Quranic words that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in His infinite wisdom, did not put in this ayah. He didn't say, in ummatani minal If two ummas of mu'mineen fought among themselves. Then say ummah. Think about this. Another divine word in the Quran is millah. Allah didn't, didn't say وَإِن مِلَّتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اقْتَتَلُوا There's another Quranic word from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the word is firqa and the ayah does not say وَإِن فِرْقَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اقْتَتَلُوا there's another Quranic word قَوْمُ 
وَإِنْ قَوْمَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اقْتَتَلُوا Allah didn't use the word قَوْم He used the word طَائِفَتَان Two طَائِفَس So the question becomes what distinguishes the word طَائِفَة from these other words that relate to consolidation of people. Ta'ifa is taken from the word yatuf. Ta'fa, yatufu, ta'if, and ta'ifa. And you, you're familiar when we go to Hajj, you use the word tawaf. The group of people who make their rounds around the Kaaba. These words are related. So Ta'ifa means, unlike the other words that I just mentioned, Ummah and Qawm and Milla and Firqa and these, unlike these other words, Ta'ifa is something that goes and comes. Meaning it's not something that is permanent among the committed Muslims. It's not a permanent feature. An ummah is a permanent feature. A qawm is a permanent feature. A ta'ifa is not. So Allah in His infinite wisdom by choosing the word ta'ifa, subhanahu wa ta'ala, Sometimes when we use our human language, it falls short of attributing precise, precisely to Allah, Jalla wa'ala. So the word ta'ifa says, this is a group of mu'mineen that will make its round and go. وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ الطَائِفَتَانِ means two factions or two contingents of mu'mineen اِقْتَتَلُوا The ayah didn't say اِقْتَتَلَتَا the wording of the ayah, understanding the wording of the ayah is extremely important. So who decides to go to war when, when to, there's a war? And there's two sides to this war. One side has thousands of troops in it. And the other side has thousands of troops in it. Did those thousands of troops decide to fight each other? Each individual decided, made the ultimate decision to go to war? No. These are conscripts, these are enlistees, these are soldiers, these are privates, these are officers, etc. But they are not the decision makers. So when Allah said, Subhanah, وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ 
Ta'ifatan is dual. Mu'mineen is plural. There's two sides, but the ones who are fighting could be in the thousands or tens of thousands or more on each side. Iqtatalu. Fa'aslihu baynahuma. You seek to find a reconciliatory solution to both of them. Both, to both. Both here, we go back to two. So the conciliatory effort has to be between the decision makers who went to war and not the troops who went to war. It's impossible. Tens of thousands, hundreds of, th hundreds of thousands fighting on this side and the other side, you're going to reconcile each one with the other? It's an impossible task. وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اقْتَتَلُوا فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا So the effort at putting aside the hostilities and reconciling each, with each other goes to those who represent the two sides. It could be one individual here and one individual there. It could be a few individuals on one side and a few individuals on the other. But it's certainly not tens of, you can't, have a sulh between tens of thousands of people on one side and tens of thousands of their counterparts on the other side. You can't do that. And this ayah is telling us, if we just give it a little understanding, وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ قَتَتَلُوا فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا فَإِنْ بَغَتْ إِحْدَاهُمَا عَلَى الْأُخْرَى فَقَاتِلُوا الَّتِي تَبْغِي حَتَّى تَفِيئَ إِلَىٰ أَمْرِ اللَّهِ If one of these sides refuses to reconcile with... Remember, we're talking about committed Muslims. We're talking about mu'mineen. If one side... The decision makers in one side of this affair, this warlike confrontation, transgresses, refuses and transgresses, then you fight the transgressors until it reverts to Allah's order and to Allah's affair. The meaning that is almost lost in understanding this, this ayah is Allah is saying, فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا فَقَاتِلُوا أَلَّتِي تَبْغِي So, أَصْلِحُوا and قَاتِلُوا In the first attempt, 
the plural, aslihu, you, all of you. Who's you? Who's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking to? There is a camp of Muslims here hostile to a camp of Muslims there. These are two defined hostile. So when Allah speaks, He says, فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا And if that fails, you fight against the transgressing party, one of the two parties here, one of the two contingents, one of the two factions. But who, who is he speaking to? فَأَصْلِحُوا فَقَاتِلُوا Who's this going to? This is where we ourselves are not worth the title that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. Because Allah is saying it's our collective, social, responsibility. All of us, all the rest, all of the Muslims are in these two camps that are against each other. There are millions of others who are not included in this. It's our duty. This is our civic duty to be recruited in the first instance to try to bring these two antagonistic fighting factions together in reconciliation. And then if that fails, it is our responsibility to mobilize, to carry arms, and to fight against the transgressor of these two sides. understand this, let us put it in the context of history before we come to our current context in the brief time that we have. The first obvious polarization, conflicting polarization occurred when King Muawiyah took issue with Al-Imam Ali. That's the first time this ayah actually explained itself. Ta'ifatan min al-mu'mineen. Not all the mu'mineen, not all the Muslims. Ta'ifatan. There's one side here and there's another side there. Individual Muslims in the armies of this side and the armies of that side went to war against themselves. وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اقْتَتَلُوا فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا When you think about the meanings of this ayah and you look back at least as much information as we have 
about our history during that era when you look back and say, where are the rest of the Muslims that Allah is saying where were they the same question can be asked about today's world human beings are still human beings Muslims are still Muslims Mu'mins are still Mu'mins where was the rest? Al-Imam Ali was fighting with the force of the Muhajireen and the Ansar. And King Muawiyah was fighting with the Asabiyya of the Jahiliya. That Asabiyya that became surface Muslims. Some of them even mu'mins. That's how delicate that issue was. Now, when we fail to be the civic Muslims that we, that Allah is addressing us to be, we didn't see a mass movement of committed Muslims trying to bring a common understanding between both sides. We didn't see that happen. What we saw was Imam Ali fighting a just cause with the force, whatever was left of the consolidating force of the Muhajireen and the Ansar against Muawiyah who was tapping on the nationalist, the tribal, the class, and the cultural vestiges of the Jahiliya. That's what we saw. Where's the, where's the rest of the Muslims? Were you absent? That should have been an attempt. Our history don't show that there was that type of attempt. And then the ayah says, فَإِن بَغَتْ إِحْدَاهُمَا عَلَى الْأُخْرَى فَقَاتِلُوا لَتِي تَبْغِي حَتَّى تَفِيئَ إِلَىٰ أَمْرِ اللَّهِ If one side shows transgression, stubbornness, belligerence towards the other side, that's King Muawiyah and his side. If they show this type of attitude and policies, فَقَاتِلُوا لَتِي تَبْغِي حَتَّى تَفِيئَ إِلَىٰ أَمْرِ Allah requires once again, all of us, civic society, the rest of the Muslims, in their tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, whatever the number is, they should fight against the transgressor. Where were they? Why were they not fighting against the Umawi transgression, against the, and depending on your background, I will word it for you, against the Khilafah, the Rashida, or against an Imamah? Where? Where's the rest of the Muslims? That's in history. We know it from that history also, this type in the absence of the 
grassroots popular mobilization of the Muslims against the aggressor that was absent what happened there was at the height of the battle there was there were certain people who were calling for arbitration instead of these people trying to mobilize the rest of the Muslims to defeat the aggressors and transgressors in the camp of Muawiyah instead of that following Allah's instructions and guidance in this ayah they said no we want arbitration someone raises the Qur'ans the Mus'hafs and say we want Allah's book to arbitrate our differences remember these same people who began this instigation for arbitration when they became the rulers they forgot about Allah's book and up until now Allah's book doesn't factor into their decisions. They, they, they rely on fabricated hadiths up until this day. So what happened at that time? Some Muslims said, okay, we're going to go for arbitration because the absence of a solid, mobilized, overwhelming Islamic base was not there فَأَصْلِحُوا was not there فَقَاتِلُوا was not there and as the events unfold the arbitration took place and from there on as they say the rest is history we come to our present time and we see that there are wars among Muslims and committed Muslims wars just like the wars that happened there and as if this ayah doesn't exist Number, for some people for the people who read this ayah as if it has no meaning and for some people who try to understand some of this ayah it doesn't apply and so we find ourselves in the wilderness a war here and a war look at what's happening in Syria look at and this this what's happening in these other areas are much more obvious than to say two camps of committed Muslims go to war against each other in these cases the issue is much more obvious what is happening in Libya what is happening in Yemen what has been happening in Asia and Africa in the past 20-30 years 
All of this is so obvious. Where are we? You ask yourself. Now, we try, we tried in the past as much as possible to have you understand that the current rulers in Arabia are an extension of the Umawis in Arabia and that part of the world at that time. If you don't understand this by this time, well, I don't know, it's slower than we anticipated. The rulers in Arabia are the Neo-Umawis. And their relationship with their handlers in Washington and Tel Aviv their relationship should be obvious. The Umawis of that time, maybe they hid their relationship. Maybe they did not hide their relationship, but the history books did not register that relationship. This detail we're not very sure of. But in today's world, it is obvious. Who takes orders from whom? Isn't it the rulers in Arabia who are taking orders from their masters, the Zionists and the imperialists? Isn't this the case? Hasn't this become very obvious? That's on one side. On the other side, in the Islamic Republic of Iran, there, if we were looking at history back then, there was the Muhajireen, the force the residual force of the Muhajireen and the Ansar that gave the Muslims the momentum and the direction until Muawiyah and the Umawis and the Byzantines, all of them together, they conspired. In today's world, it should be more obvious to, to us. Number one, because we should learn from our history. And if there are voices, and we hear some voices, we're not absent. We're not living zombies. We're not inflicted with any type of coma. We can see what's happening. There are voices that are saying, Let's reconcile with the Saudis, meaning the ruling family or the regime of Saudi Arabia. Because if we in the Islamic Republic can reconcile with they in the Saudi Kingdom, then we can solve these issues of the Muslims at least not to speak about other issues, if there's some type of understanding between us. I don't know, people who say these things, do they, have they read his, have their own history? Do they know what is happening in the real world? Are they trying to make friends out of enemies? Or are they trying to make enemies out of friends? Where are they? How can someone like that speak? I mean, if this was the first time something like this happened, I would just say, well, yeah, they didn't, no, nothing happened like this before. There's no precedent to all of this. And this is 
a political ijtihad. Someone can get away with something like that if there's not 1400 years almost of experience supposed to be of trials and tribulations supposed to be of conscientization at least of the Muslim psychology and mentality what's happening what do you want you want to go to arbitration now the word arbitration by the way at that time did not mean reconciliation it's a step before reconciliation at least those in history who were calling for arbitration there's there were two types calling for arbitration those who were political crooks diplomatic charlatans and cunning individuals that's one we go back to our history and we speak about التحكيم, the arbitration the side of Muawiyah was saying they wanted arbitration because they were up to no good there was a hidden agenda on the other side those who wanted to go for arbitration wanted to do so out of their sincere motivations and to stop the bloodshed among the Muslims so he said okay let's refer all of this to Allah's book to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in today's world we don't hear someone calling for the initial step which they should have learned from from their history I guess they probably thought if we use the word arbitration it's going to bring out this history so we want to avoid that so I say why can't we have some type of peace talks or why can't we reconcile our policies or why can't we reach common agreements and purposes this is the way that they are hiding their diplomacy and their policies and what do you want what do you want to happen those who have this inclination some of them may may not really have the whole picture in their mind some of them may be relatively relatively ignorant so no one is doubting the element of sincerity in these unfolding of events no but what do you want to happen what do you expect to happen you want to go through recycling the mistakes of the past is that what you want to do besides if you continue down this road you want to pursue this strategy you want to leave the leader of today's Muslims 
the way Imam Ali was left to lead the Muslims of his time, that's what you're aiming for. These types of shenanigans have become so deeply embedded in some people that in order for them to justify that strategy, they will have to get rid of those who they consider to be too radical or too revolutionary. They may call them unstable or reckless or myopic. I don't know. They use a lot of words to hide their intentions and their schemes. A lot of words you can hide behind. But this is a very dangerous crossroads in our time. And all caution should go out. Allah says, Committed Muslims are brothers of each other. He didn't say the decision makers are brothers of each other. He didn't say Imam Ali, by the, by the extended meaning, he didn't mean that Imam Ali and Muawiyah are brothers of each other. But this is what happens. They take away this knowledge and this awareness from us. Where's the masajid? Where are the khatibs? Where are the people who are feeding our men mentalities and our psychologies with accurate information up-to-date awareness where are they what's 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 going on in these masajid at this time every week what is happening go you can go you have the liberty to go go pick your masjid the masjid of your choice go to it what are they saying at the same time that they are speaking muslims committed Muslims in the millions. We're not blowing this out of proportion. This is the truth. In the millions are either starving or refugees or in social conditions of warfare. And what do you say? What do you say to people on Jumu'ah, the day of taqwa? Ittaqullah. Avoid Allah's power, presence for justice. They don't want to avoid Allah. They want to avoid something else. They want to avoid a bad reputation. They want to avoid losing a few acres of land. They want to avoid appearing to be on the wrong side of the issue. They want to avoid jeopardizing their legal status. 
They want to avoid many issues, but they don't want to avoid Allah. Tabaraka fi ulah. Avoid Allah? What are you talking about? Ittaqullah. Allah. You have this taqwa with Allah, and Allah will teach you. And He's not going to teach you through people who have deified individuals, strong men, people in power, people who have wealth. That's not where authentic and practical knowledge comes from. أَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ لِي وَلَكُمْ اِدْعُوهُ سُبْحَانَهُ أَنْ يَغْفِرْ وَأَنْ يَرْحَمْ وَأَنْ يَتُوبَ عَلَيْنَا إِنَّهُ هُوَ التَّوَابُ الرَّحِيمُ الحمد لله الذي هدى صلى الله وسلم على سيدنا المصطفى وعلى آله وصحبه أولي النهى وأولي التقى Oh Allah help us to expose those who work behind the scenes work in the dark whether they are on our opposite sides or whether they are physically among us help us to see them to identify them and to expose them we've been trying to point to the elephant in the room for many years now The Saudi regime, the heir, H-E-I-R, the heir of all the mistakes in our history. This week, we will contribute further information to expose these mischief makers who, by Allah's grace, are known today better than they were known 30 and 40 years ago. The minister, the ex-minister of justice in the kingdom of the Saudi family of Arabia, who is currently the President of the Muslim World League, Rabitat Al Alam Al Islami. Just this week went to Auschwitz with a delegation of other what they call Islamic scholars. And he said I'm going to quote his words in Arabic for those who understand before translation. At-tawajudu huna 
مع أبناء ضحايا الإبادة الجماعية وأفراد الجالية اليهودية والإسلامية واجب مقدس وشرف عظيم Unquote. What did he say? He said Being here with the sons of the victims of the Holocaust and with individuals from the Jewish and Islamic communities is a holy obligation, wajibun muqaddas. And a great honor, washarafun azim. These are his words. What is it going to take for Muslims to understand who is ruling them and making decisions for them? And then he leads Salat al Jama'ah at Auschwitz. And in some news reports, he reads some ayat from the Qur'an at some of these graves that he went to. Head of the Muslim World League, Saudi, prominent personality. Can't you see Muslims? When are you going to wake up? These are the ones that you want to reconcile yourselves with. So these other individuals from the different madhahib, the Islamic schools of thought who accompanied him, were there to commemorate 75 years since the Holocaust. That same kingdom, this is all going on in the same time frame, that same kingdom has received three, what is called the fastest speed boats in the world from France. The ex-foreign minister who is the minister, he's not technically the Minister of Foreign Affairs currently, but he might as well be. We used to be ambassador here in Washington, D.C. And maybe some of these nightly Muslims, dark-sided Muslims, had a give and take with some members of the Saudi Embassy here in Washington, D.C. At a conference in Europe, he basically said that Qatar should get its act together. He's disturbed with the policies of Qatar. And the Europeans responded to him. European officials attending the conference responded to him and reminded him of the policies of his own regime. Policies that put women in prison because women 
are asking for their dignity. His regime that has chopped to death one of its own citizens and journalists and ex-insider explain did Qatar do anything similar to any of these acts that you are speaking about these are not Muslims speaking to Adil al-Jubair these are non-Muslims who have a sense for justice for equality for decency and dignity and then the businessman in the White House He says to that kingdom that obeys his orders, we're not going to protect you for free, you know. You pay us one billion dollars and we will offer you protection. And some news reports said immediately 500 million dollars was the amount of $500 million was paid for their protection. And then this week, France sends some special forces to the Arabian Peninsula and to the Gulf and places radars there and sends the Charles de Gaulle aircraft carrier to the waters of the Gulf. This is not happening in a vacuum. And then we have what the news, what the media is telling us is MBS spying on Jeff Bezos. And in the content of this news item, they said that spying took place because of Israeli technology. They hacked him. MBS had to hack him. For what purpose? What does MBS have to do with Bezos? Bezos has the Washington Post. And Khashoggi was a virtual member of the Washington Post writers. All of this goes on, crooks at the highest level, thieves in the temple. And then on another issue, I don't know if you should be aware of this, and this information should come to you from the khutaba and the Islamic spokespersons and those who are teaching you at whatever level and whatever capacity there these transnational petroleum interests prospected in the eastern mediterranean they found this place is full of unbelievable amounts of gas liquid gas, not petroleum. And so there's a rush to claim different areas in the Eastern Mediterranean. 
Egypt has a claim for some. Libya has a claim for some. Lebanon has a claim for some. Syria has a claim for some. And Turkey. And Greece. And Cyprus. And there is... There are sides that are being taken here. So there's tension now between Turkey and Greece concerning the areas around Cyprus where they want to extract this natural resource, the gas. Saudi Arabia comes out this week and says in its diplomatic way, that they understand the concerns of Cyprus and Greece and they are in favor of their concerns. Now I'm rephrasing and rewording what they said. But here we are, the Neo-Umawis presenting themselves with evidence of the side that they are on. Then we had the Minister of Energy of Saudi Arabia attending a conference about energy in London. I think it was in London. It was in Britain. And then he's approached by a correspondent asking him a question about Bezos and MBS and these things. And he doesn't want to answer the question. This, is, this went viral. It's all over the place. So this Minister of Energy, who's the brother of MBS, tells the correspondent, you are stupid. Compare the composure of these Saudi officials 40 and 30 years ago with their nervousness today. And then we have a little out of range of the Arabian Peninsula, but related to the Arabian Peninsula, a car, someone's driving a car in the cities of colonized Palestine, referred to by the mainstream media as Israel, with the tags of Abu Dhabi on it. This is unheard of. This is another instrument that they use to try to normalize the psychology between victim and aggressor. That's what they're doing. You see, look, Palestinians are looking at this in Al-Quds, in Haifa, in Yaffa, in Al wherever, wherever it is. It's going around like that. And they want us, oh, no, don't speak about this. You're radical if you say these types of things in your khutbah or in your meetings or whatever. What is radical what? This is in the news. If we are saying the same thing that's in the news, we become radical? Aren't those people who are giving us this news the radical ones? And then you had two inaugurations in these past days. One inauguration in Egypt of a synagogue 
another inauguration in Morocco of a, muse, a Yehudi museum. No one tells us, we should know, even if they are silent about this, what type of Yehudis are going to be responsible for the museum in Morocco in the, and the synagogue in Alexandria, Egypt. Who are these? Are these the Naturi Karta? Or are these the Zionist war criminals who are going to be in charge of these two places in Muslim lands? And then international organizations are calling on investigations of war crimes by the Israeli rulers. And then Netanyahu says that the international court should be sanctioned. Look at that. Look at the word, sanctioned. I think because they have the money and they have the power, they can act like gods. And then one of the statements verbalized by the businessman in the White House, he said, those who are talking about climate change are prophets of doom. Subhanallah, this person has given us a very relevant characterization of all the opponents of Allah's prophets. All the enemies of Allah's prophets in history called them prophets of doom. And he resurrected the words and the meanings when he's on the opposite side of Allah and his prophets. This past week, the Israelis shoot and kill three innocent youth on the outskirts of Gaza. And then they fabricate their own lies in the media about this incident. They shot them in cold blood. So they fabricate media misinformation to run away from the responsibilities of doing what they did. It is said this coming Tuesday there's going to be an enunciation of Trump's Middle East plan. And he invited the two contenders for the Prime Minister's office in colonized in the colonized Holy Land, he invited them to come to Washington. You'd ask yourself, why didn't he invite others from the other side to come to Washington? Because the other sides are literally in his pocket. Another thing that is observable in the past, in the recent past, Trump, on his Twitter account, he doesn't know Persian, but his account tweets in Persian to the people of Iran, saying he's on the side of the people of Iran and as if there's a revolution in Iran and masses are taking to the street and all of this. Live your dying dream, Mr. Trump. And the representative of the colonizers of the Holy Land in the United Nations he speaks 
a sentence in Persian saying that we are with you, the Iranian people. When did that happen? They're beginning to learn Persian. Who are they? What do they try? It's out of desperation. They feel that they've, they're approaching the end of their dead end. That's how they feel. And then we have Washington, official Washington, contemplating placing seven more countries on the list of blacklisted countries, virtually blacklisted countries. And for your information, these countries are Sudan, Eritrea, Belarus, Myanmar, Kyrgyzstan, Tanzania, and Nigeria. All of this is happening when we are supposed to be daydreaming on Fridays. Go daydream in your masajid. The, uh, the prisons in Jordan uh, ran out of space. There's no longer space for prisoners in Jordan. They don't know what to do with 7,000 new prisoners. They don't have budgets to build new prisons. This is the real world that we are living in. And then finally in Egypt, there's a fifth grade examination given to the students of a fifth grade, of the fifth grade, and in that examination, they quote Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as saying, meaning this is an ayah from the Quran, Misr mahdul hadara wa kinanatuhu fi ardih. Egypt is the cradle of civilization. And his choice place on earth. An ayah? Did anyone hear about this ayah in the Quran? All of these events and much more. What am I going to say in a khutbah? All of these are occurring inside of our two billion Muslim body in the world against our two billion Muslim count in the world and some of us and some of us prefer to live on another planet Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'a wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ijtinaba wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna وجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم اهدنا فيمن هديت وعافنا فيمن عافيت وتولنا فيمن توليت وبارك لنا فيما أعطيت وقنا شر ما قضيت فإنك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك وإنه لا يذل من واليت ولا يعز من عاديت 
تباركت ربنا وتعاليت فلك الحمد على ما قضيت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك وصلى الله على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل أن تحكموا بالقسط وأقم الصلاة